Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say, since the moment pitches could move, yeah, skin in the game. It's a bad miracle. They got work for that. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Toure. And Derek Wong. So tonight we're discussing Jordan Peele's third film, Nope, follow-up of his first two films, Get Out and Us. I think we'll just get right into it, talk a little bit about Jordan Peele and his filmography, his very, very short, but I guess sweet filmography. Yeah, so what's your experience with Jordan Peele? Do you like his movies? We'll lead up to talking about Nope, but what did you guys think of both Get Out and Us? Um, So, love Get Out. Us is also good, but a little woolier. It doesn't come together as tightly, but um, I think Get Out's a masterpiece, and Us is still good enough that I was still really excited for Nope to come out. Part of the measure of his talent, he's able to work with some amazing actors. It seems like everybody lines up to work with him, and it seems like he also puts butts in seats. So it seems like the total package as far as like modern horror directors who are doing original stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. I generally agree with Amir. I do love both of his movies. I think I've mentioned this before on our podcast. I think Get Out is probably the better movie, but I actually like Us more. I actually enjoyed my time watching Us more. I've also kind of followed his career even before he became a well-known director, right? Like I remember watching him on Mad TV. I remember watching many, many sketches from Key and Peele. So it's super interesting to watch him evolve from an actor, part of a comedic duo to being this well-renowned horror director, essentially. Yeah, I like Jordan Peele a lot. I think he's one of the few directors, like Amir said, he puts butts in seats. I mean, Nope opened to, what, $50 million? Great opening. One of the few directors of non-franchise, non-IP stuff that still draws an audience. And 
yeah, I've been following him since his Mad TV days. Like you, Derek, his Key and Peel stuff is great. I tend to agree with Amir. I think both Get Out and Us are great. I think Get Out is laser focused. Uh, what it wants to say about race and its allegory, it's airtight. Us less so. It's a little more freewheeling with its themes, a little more muddled. But I like both of them as horror slash comedies. And I want to say Nope is probably a different beast from Get Out and Us. <laughs> and it's the one film that I feel like straddles the line between horror and sci-fi. I think mostly it's still a horror movie, but there's a lot of stuff in there that's different from Get Out and Us, which I really, really admire. So do you guys want to get right into the movie? His, uh... Get Out Our Thoughts on Nope? No. Yeah. yeah. Get Out yeah. Our Thoughts on Nope. Um, so I liked this. I'd say probably not as much as Get Out. I'd have to kind of see them all again to see where I put this versus us. I think my problem with it is more a problem of personal taste. I admire some of the things he's trying to do here. I don't know if they like them so much. Specifically, I really did enjoy the horror styles of both of his first two. And where this does stray away from it, I feel like the movie is just a little more toothless. I know it's making a very different critique than his other movies, and it's not the exact same thing. But I kind of did miss that hard-hitting horror element that we had in those first two movies. Um, and it's not like a slight against the movie, right? Like, um, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, getting a chicken sandwich when you really felt like a burger. It's just, it's still delicious, just not exactly what you had had in mind. So that, that that's probably my main gripe. Uh, I'm sure people are going to talk about some of the scenes being confusing, and none of that really bothered me. It was just more the sort of subtle genre shift that was maybe my main gripe. So you said the analogy of ordering a chicken sandwich and getting a hamburger. And I think it's funny because this is like probably advertised as one thing and then you got something else, right? Because mm. the trailers all pointed to a certain direction and this movie was not really what was advertised in the trailers. I think you probably are expecting like, oh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, they fight little green men or something like that. But that's definitely not <laughs> what happens in the movie. Like Jordan Peele signs or something? Something like that, yeah. I didn't expect them fighting little green men. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little more conventional. What, what about you, Derek? What did you think? So I probably am kind of aligned with Amir on this. I think for me, having not seen this movie more than once, having seen his other movies more than once, I probably this is my least favorite but not to say that I didn't like this. I actually really enjoyed my time watching this. I thought it is well-crafted. There are definitely some really great scenes in this movie. But ultimately, I think my problem with this is that I think there are themes and ideas that are really great, but I think some of them are executed and feel a little clunky and just not serving, I think, the overall story the way I would like it. And I think it sometimes takes away from what I think his message, or at least what the message I was getting out of the movie. But I think we'll, we can dive into some of those in spoilers. So interesting to hear the different takes. <laughs> so, Jeff, what did you think? Yeah, what See, did you think, Jeff? This is my favorite Jordan Peele movie. Okay. It is the best out of all three, hands down for me. Maybe taking the number one spot on my best movies of the year list so far. Whoa. I wow. fucking loved this, this movie. Is... I think Get Out is genius. It's really, really focused, like I said. 
But this movie breaks Jordan Peele out into like the filmmaker that he's always had the potential to be, I feel. I think the mastery of the themes and the scenes in this movie is just so fantastic. And I just ate everything up. I think the movie's gorgeous. I think Hoyt Van Hoytema's cinematography is incredible. I think mm-hmm. the blocking and like how the horror elements are crafted, all the characters, just everything about this is incredible. And like, I love how the metaphors in this movie are easy to grasp, but they're not sledgehammer obvious. It's not beating you over the head with them. And I think we're so accustomed to stuff like that, where now we have scenes in this movie where people are just like, what was the point of that? You know, but I feel like he actually really spells out what those scenes that are kind of contentious among the reactions that I've seen. I think he's done a great job of like integrating them into the greater fabric of this movie. I think just everything came together for me on this one. I think it's his masterpiece. I don't like throwing that board around too much, but I love this movie. It's so fucking good. I'm glad you liked it so much. I was going to say, I have maybe one gripe with the last thing you said, but yeah, we'll we'll get into it. I think we've given our thoughts. I think it's probably safe to dive into spoiler territory and dive into some of the details about this film. I don't want to give too much of a synopsis just because I think going in fresh and like not really understanding the premise of the movie helps i think with the experience of this movie but i mean i just to give it away a little bit if you chose to listen to this podcast before going into the movie you knew what you were getting into so yeah well i mean so the movie's basically surrounding the haywood family so you got daniel kaluuya who plays oj haywood and then his sister kiki palmer who plays emerald m and they run a horse training farm for hollywood So they train animals for Hollywood productions. The company was run by their father, played by Keith David, and he is killed in the opening scene of the movie when objects fall from the sky and a quarter lodges itself in his skull and he dies. OJ takes over the business and he's depressed and stricken by grief and he's trying to make ends meet with this horse training business of his. He sometimes gets... Kiki Palmer's Emerald to come in and help out with, you know, talking to clients, the client facing portion of the business, talking to producers and directors and mostly below the line people on movie sets, right? And basically what happens is that they discover this flying saucer type entity above their ranch and they try and deal with it in their own way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to go too far into recapping the whole story. If you want to just talk more about like what you liked, what you didn't like. Let's get into like what I meant when I said, I think I have a gripe with what you said, Jeff. So okay. I think you mentioned this idea that he doesn't try to beat you over the head with some of his themes. I don't think that's necessarily true. And like my one example of that would be the TMZ guy, right? At pretty much the climax of this movie. Like I thought 
that for me was very overbearing with what he was trying to say with this person that had to get the shot, had to have the camera. A lot of how I read this movie was about the spectacle, right? And like what we would do to reach success. It's different for all the characters, right? Steven Yoon's measure of success is different than the brother and sister team versus this weird last minute side edition of like this TMZ reporter. But even so, like the cinematographer played by um, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott, right? Like What a each character, of them, by the yeah. way. He's fantastic. Yeah. But like, I think for me, that was a little bit too much of a blunt caricature of like a person. And it didn't work for me. He's not even a character, though. You never even see his face. That's so interesting that that bothered you. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't think about it too hard. I think I was honestly more wrapped up in the actual plot of the movie and, and the climax of the movie at that point. And I wasn't thinking so much about the, being bonked over the head with the thematic resonance of it. Mm-hmm. Little shades mm-hmm. of Watchmen, too, with that mirrored uh, visor, the mirrored yeah. helmet yeah. that I was wearing. It's a very uh, Watchmen TV show there. That didn't bother me at all, actually. So I guess, Jeff, what did you think the movie was about? Why didn't that bother you? Oh, man. So it's funny because coming out of the movie, I was talking to a bunch of people in like my group chat and stuff. And everybody took something different away from this movie, Mm -hmm. which I think is so fascinating. I mean, this movie is about so many different things. And I think every single permutation or variation of like the themes that you can take away, they all work, right? So like, this is basically a movie about movies, Uh, making the movie, getting the shot, It's also about, like, our obsession with spectacle, chasing the spectacle, what we would do to capture that. Mm -hmm. And, again, it's also about, like, how the Hollywood machine chews us up. It spits us out, especially people of color. You know, it touches upon black erasure. There's just so many things that you can take away from this movie. And I think it all lands for me. Watching this, I kind of grasped pretty much everything it was throwing at me and i was just a little overwhelmed in a very very good way i think mm-hmm. i'll add two more that you didn't add because you're the ones that popped out at me um see see <laughs> <laughs> it's the american dream right and i know that's closely mm-hmm. related to what you were saying about the spectacle what we would do to make it and then the other one which i'm sure you'll see somewhere else but you heard it here first uh it's about, <laughs> it's about drone strikes drone strikes interesting let's okay, fucking see. go yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got to elaborate on that one for me. I'm not <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. So part of what is going on in this movie is Peel's using like these big IMAX cameras to take all these beautiful shots of the sky. And I don't know where they are in the southwest somewhere, but all these huge shots of the blue sky as they're being hunted by this, you know, you think it's a UFO, but being hunted by this alien creature that swoops down and sucks people up. And so they're constantly watching the skies in fear. Uh, uh, at first, I'm like, oh, this is like a reverse Jaws, right? Like, you're yeah. always looking up instead of looking down. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, um, no, this is actually about... I mean, I don't know if it's about, but this is just where it took me. Is This is about the drone strikes. And it was seeing those blue skies that made me think of it. Because there was this quote um, by a Pakistani boy, testified to Congress. And he says, like, I no longer love blue skies. In fact, I now prefer gray skies. The drones do not fly when the skies are gray. So, like, all those shots of the blue skies and them running around in fear, it just made me think of the drone warfare um, mm. that we dealt with, primarily like, the global war on terror and all of that. Yeah, the Jaws comparison is, like, pretty much not lost on anyone. I think a yeah. lot of people are comparing it to Jaws. And I think Jordan Peele 
and in turn Hoi Van Hotema, what they do great in this movie is instilling that fear, not only in OJ and M, but in us too, right? Like you fear what you can't see and you're always catching glimpses of the UFO and you mm-hmm. don't really see it until like the final act. It's always hiding in the clouds. Man, that stuff is scary, man. Like yeah. I did not think that I would be scared, but like just catching some glimpse of some giant thing in the sky disappear behind a cloud and you don't know what it is. That's actually really scary. And the way they shot it was, it really got me, actually. Technically, it's done perfectly, right? Like, it is yeah, really, it's really so scary. great. It's really, really good. All those shots of the sky, them looking up, it's really good. My problem is, it's kind of scary. Maybe I wasn't scared as you were, because my issue is, in order to be about like the hustle and filmmaking, instead of this thing being something that just scoops you up and kills you, it kind of has to have an easy weakness or something you can do to kill it, where it's sort of like, I don't know, it's not like the water from signs, but it's got to have something where it, this thing doesn't just swoop in and just kill you instantly. It's not like the alien from Aliens, right? Where it's just mm. running around killing crew member after crew member. It's blood, it's acid, it's immune to weapons. You can fuck this thing up with a fucking balloon. <laughs> you know, it, it's not as scary as this, like, invincible killing machine that you see in these sort of sci-fi horror pictures. And it kind of has to be not scary because their reaction to it isn't, oh, fuck, let's run. It's, oh, let's capture a shot of this on film so we can get rich and famous off of it, basically, right? So we can succeed in America, so that we can uh, use the money and support our ranch, which is failing, and buy back our horses from this guy we sold them from, and blah, 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 or whatever it is you want to do with the money, right? Bring the truth to America about what the government's been hiding, whatever it is. But in order for that to be plausible, the horror has to be less visceral, right? Because this thing just, like, kills you on contact. It's full of alien germs that just instantly kill you, or its blood is acid or something. From the first time it comes down, you wouldn't hang around to videotape it. You'd run your ass off. Yeah, that would break, like, the believability. Exactly. If it was too dangerous. Exactly. I get it. Mm -hmm. So it can't be too dangerous in order to accomplish this conceit of being about film. And this is where it's a taste thing. I think I was just expecting a burger, right? I was expecting that sci-fi horror creepy killer thing that this movie doesn't do in order like to do something else it's clearly a choice i get it it's just not entirely what i was expecting this kind of leads into like one of my maybe my not complete understanding of the character oj because he is in the movie the kind of driving force he really wants to get this shot there's points where his sister's like, let's just bail. We don't need this, right? Absolutely. Like, she understands that it is dangerous. Like, he's the one who's always like, I'm coming back to work. I'm going to get this shot. Or like, I'm going to be here no matter what. I didn't quite understand his motivation because I think there are, for me, some mixed messaging in the beginning of the film. Is this a point of revenge? Like, is this something that he wants to like do for his dad because this thing clearly killed his dad? Or is it that he wants to to keep this farm like is this farm super special to him yeah that he needs the money to keep this farm i think it's all of the above man i think all those things are correct but i think it's all of them at once right where's the conflict for you like what about that for me fit? like there's this the point at the beginning of the movie where he also is very shy you know his dad was the kind of person that led this 
company that they had and like clearly he's not that person i was kind of maybe not wanting but was wondering is this his end goal is he supposed to exert himself as some person that can take control and lead this and get what he needs to save his family's business i don't know i don't think the kaluuya oj character was fleshed out as well as i would have wanted it to totally bought it just because yeah me too you know he clearly loves these animals yeah and he loves the business but he's not like his dad and in turn he's not like right yeah and he's not like emerald right he's not like m so he relies on m to talk to these producers who treat them like shit you know emerald she's been rehearsing the lines that their dad says on camera, right? Like, yeah. you know, the whole spiel about Edward Moybridge's 1878, The Horse in Motion, and like how their great 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 grandfather was supposedly the unnamed black jockey on top of that horse. And she's got that down pat. But this is not her business. This is like her side hustle. Like she tells yeah, she says. OJ, right? So like she just does this to help out. But for OJ, this is his thing. How is he going to keep the business afloat without dad and like, without emerald's commitment to the business right so like the only thing he has left is trying to capture this ufo so like i totally bought that yeah i do think the sound mixing on this was a little off just because daniel kaluuya plays the character as a little mumbly Mm -hmm. so i couldn't really hear sometimes what he was saying i want to watch the movie again just to really get the dialogue down it was a little shaky at some points but i could totally work around that it was fine yeah i totally bought the character but i i understand what you're saying there's no like delineation where he's like oh we have to do this for this reason yeah I feel like it's, a lot of it's internalized like you don't have to fucking say that yeah i know exactly like, i agree you, derek already listed like three or four good reasons he would have to do it i think it's all of them at once i mean i, I don't think that his mumbling hesitancy around the like big wigs in the film business necessarily means that he can't be a leader in other ways or that he wouldn't be able to, like, try to do what he did. Like, it, it does read as all consistent to me. And I thought it was actually such a, like, beautiful sketching out of a character in only, like, one scene. Just like that one scene of that fuck-up um, at the audition or at the job totally tells you exactly about who he is, who M is, how he's been dealing with his dad's death, all of it instantly. I thought it was super good. The opening audition for the producer of the movie, you really see that desperation too because, you know, he wants to do things the old-fashioned way. He wants to train these animals to get the practical shot, right? So, like, this is also a movie about, you know, the switch mm. from practical to digital too, uh, right? And, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they fuck up, they bring in that little dummy green screen horse and they got to cart that horse out of there, you know? And that fucking sucks. That through line goes through all the way to the end of the movie where, like, you know, fucking the electronics don't work and cinematographer with the IMAX camera. It's like a hand-cranked IMAX camera. It's so yeah. fucking funny to me. I mean, just to defend my point a little bit, I mean, I, I just... <laughs> no, it's because, like, I feel like I'm bringing all these things and you're just like, nah. Um, like, yeah, uh, completely <laughs> invalid. <laughs> no, it's just for me, like, I do wish it was... A little bit clear. I feel like I had to be completely honest, like stretch to read those things sometimes, though. I think, yes, those are all interpretations like you can read and like they can justify this character. But I feel like this character is so internalized that for him to be the hero, I think there needs to be like a defining hero moment. And I think he gets that. But at the same time, the through line wasn't clear. Was this a reaction to that for me? 
it just wasn't entirely clear to me. For sure, it's Daniel Kaluuya's probably most subdued role. Mm-hmm. But he's also very funny in this movie, I think. He is. I think the movie and itself is very funny. So when I was watching the movie, I was like dreading when they were actually going to speak the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Nope. But every time Daniel Kaluuya does it, I laughed harder and harder. Dude, it's, it's so funny. funny, dude. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very funny. I love all the characters in this movie. Angel Torres, played by he's Brandon Perea, is great. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great. great. He's awesome. I love that guy. And we keep forgetting the name of the cinematographer. I don't know how we forget because his name is Antlers Holst. What a fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, killer dude. name. It's fantastic. What a name. And I got to talk about my favorite character in this movie, Stephen Young's okay. Jupe Park. Ricky okay. Park. Can you please explain fucking Jupe Park from bottom to top? You want me to explain Jupe Park? <laughs> to yeah, you? man. Absolutely. Did you not get it, or you want to hear my take no, on it? No, I want to hear your take on it, because, all right, this is, I guess, the contentious sort of scene in the movie or whatever, right? I mean, to speak really briefly, this is also my point of contention, so I do want to get into this. Okay, so the scene is that uh, Stephen Young's character, he was a child actor on a show that employed a chimp. And the chimp goes crazy and maims one of his co-stars, or at least one of his co-stars. Multiple. I think a couple of them die, and then the other kid lives. And yeah, she's and the one who shows she's, up at, she's the at the show. show. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't sure if the others died because uh, Wait, so clear. is she the one in front of the couch And they joked about it on SNL see? and everything. Yes. Yes, I so think she's, she's the one in front of the couch. Yeah, on the I ground that being so. slammed. Okay. I believe that's her. Yeah. You know, this brutal chimp attack. And it really is quite horrifying. The sound, Dude, it's the, the scariest thing in the movie. It's horrifying. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, the chimp is all covered in blood, and he's hooting, and he's slamming the body of the person on the ground, and it's just savage, and it's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, it's this super scary scene of this chimp going crazy and maiming people, and he's just a child. He's hiding under the desk, and then the chimp comes up to him and fist bumps him like they've been practicing on set, and then somebody kills it and saves his life. But I guess the two things we learn are that, I guess, um, he doesn't look it right in the eyes, right? That's sort of important. And then, I think, does it, like, see its own reflection? Is that why it goes nuts? No, it's I think it's the, the balloons. It's balloon pop. Oh, the balloon pop. Yeah, the balloon Yeah, the balloons yeah. popping cause it to freak out, I guess. So, Stephen Young's character, like, is a neighbors to the Haywood fan mm-hmm. uh, yes. in the present. And so, he runs a little, like, amusement park. And he shows off the souvenirs from this incident Mm -hmm. uh, as part of the show. And so the film actually opens up with a shot of this chimp attack, right? And then Mm -hmm. we get another flashback of it later on as one of the little vignettes. That's just to, like, lay all the groundwork. So basically the problem people have with this film is they don't understand how it's connected to everything else. Dude, it's so connected. Well, Jeff, I understand the connection. Derek, you take us with it first. I'll go next. (laughs) Let's have Jeff go last. Because he's the one who's, like... Hyped up on it. So, so okay, so how I read this is that he's the lone well, and he's not the lone survivor, but he's like the one that comes out unscathed from this attack, right? And a lot of his career is based on his earlier movie, the cowboy movie he mentions, but then also mm-hmm. this this sitcom, right? That has become legend because of this monkey that basically killed its cast. Gordy's home. Gordy's home, right? <laughs> and, you know, we get brought into this souvenir room where he says, like, you know, people pay $50,000 to have sex in his room. Um, and that's why he says the line later, right? Where it's like, don't worry, we have an understanding, this thing won't hurt us. It's part of his hubris that he thinks he understands this animal, right? Mm-hmm. The way that the chimp didn't kill him, this ship, right? Or this being is not going to kill him. And he thinks that getting so much success and money off of his Gordy's home 
incident, he can now make money off of this entity by feeding it and creating a show around it, right? And like the whole idea is that, well, Mm -hmm. you can't tame an animal. Gordy's home explains that, right? A balloon popped and it just straight up murdered everybody. And one bad incident with this entity is going to get everyone killed. And that's what happens, right? The horse doesn't want to leave its little protective glass shell. And that's because Mm -hmm. of that, the thing gets hungry and it comes and kills everyone, right? And I get it. Like, I understand the themes. Like, I understand, you know, Icarus flying a little too close to the sun. And my issue with it is that it then absolves our main characters of the same fate, right? And like, I never felt our main characters, and I'm not talking about the Wincock character. I feel like he comes in too late to be part of this crew. For me, it was the Kaluuya character, the Palmer character, and Perea character, right? Those are kind of like the main three we followed throughout most of the movie. And I think this incident absolves them from any kind of harm, no fear of death, because Stephen Yoon character becomes that surrogate, right? Becomes the person that is the example of what happens when you do it wrong versus what these people are going to do mm. right. Okay. But like, that's my issue with this movie. He's, he's the senator, he's the scapegoat, he's the one who takes yes. the bullet. And so that our cast can get away with it, uh, the main cast can get away with it, scot free. I mean, I never thought about it that way, but I do have a similar. Like, the heart of my issue with it was sort of the, quote-unquote, toothlessness of the stakes. Mm-hmm. And so, I didn't think of that point, but I do kind of like where you're going with that. Uh, so, for me, I would have said, I would have gone, like, in a slightly different direction with Stephen Young's character. I thought, like, this is about him, like, mining his past trauma for profit and what, like, you know, the entertainment industry and capitalist system forces you to do if you want to succeed, right? And, uh... That was kind of the angle that I took with his character and the significance of his role, in addition to all the stuff you're talking about. What do you think, Jeff? I feel like both of you together pretty much hit the nail on the head okay. here, like, with both of those things. You know, I think on a deeper level, Ricky's character is about, like, the Hollywood machine, right? Mm-hmm. How insatiable it is, its need to commodify, like, what we don't understand, what's scary, what's terrifying, dramatic into digestible entertainment, you know, like memes, TV shows, movies, parodies, adaptations. And it's just like the byproduct of our like hungry system. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think that's where the strongest threat is. And I think, Derek, what you're saying about Ricky and the animals, and especially Gordy compared to OJ and M, I see where you're coming from. But I actually think makes that thread stronger because... Where Ricky didn't learn his lesson, OJ has a deep respect for these animals and he makes the same mistake, right? Yeah. He draws the thread between the horses and Jean Jacket, which is what they named the UFO, right? Like, in the beginning, at the rehearsal for, or the audition for the producer movie that they're trying out for, he's like, don't look the horses in the eye. So, like, he brings that lesson to Jean Jacket, and that's how he survives, and, like, how his family survives. So, I think... That was a pretty powerful thread, too. But I think both of you guys put together form, like, the cohesive thesis behind Stephen Young's character. I just really like that character. I like him, too. I think there's definitely the thread of also, mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned explicitly, but the thread about, like, PTSD and trauma there, obviously, too, right? And being traumatized in Hollywood as a child and, you know, having to look back on it and what it does to you or whatever. But also, like... So what exactly is his job? So he runs this park where it's like not just about the souvenirs from his show, right? They put on shows and do like weird musical stuff. And like, there's like, it's like an amusement park. 
But then also, like, in the last couple of months, he started doing a show with the alien? Yeah, So, yeah, like, yeah. the park is based off of his character, right? That other character he mentions, oh, okay. right? Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. the, the cowboy, cowboy character. Iterative. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's what the park is about. Okay. Like, it's based on that success. But then he has this, it's like, kind of side thing. The side gig where he has a secret room where he shows people the... The, the Gordy's home, uh, home stuff. Memorabilia stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't clear. Is this the first time he's shown the alien? Or has he done this? It's not. Yeah. Because he's he, definitely done it before. He says, or has he oh, practiced like, before? Because he says, like, oh, this is different. Whatever, when it does something different. But I wasn't sure if he was, like, oh, I see. Yeah, full yeah, of shit right. or not. That was the thing. I kind of thought he, maybe he was bullshitting the entire time. And this is the first time the alien has actually showed up. But the thing is, I just can't imagine, like, how he got away with this. Like... If he's done this before, like, how are there not more people? How exactly. Are there not, how are there the not plot, media there all the time? Exactly. Part of the plot is that the Haywoods need to hurry up and do this before mm-hmm. the rest of the world gets the news about this and starts to send people to get their scoop or whatever, right? So, like, that part kind of, I again, I did have that same problem as Derek. Like, wait a minute. So, he's been secretly showing the alien all this time and nobody fucking knows about it. And, like, like what? It, it kind of... Bug me a little. That's why I do read that this might be the first time. And like, he's I, thought, yeah, I don't think it's his horses. first time, but maybe his like second or third. That's what I read from okay, it. Maybe. Where not enough people have mm-hmm. come and seen it and been like, you know, believe it or like, who knows what other permutations of this show that there's been. Because, Derek, like you said, what happens is the horse won't leave the container and that's what ruins yeah. everyone's shit, right? Also, everyone's death here is yeah. fucking horrifying. I don't think I. Dude, super yes. gruesome, right? But I think I have claustrophobia now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, a great visual when we got to go into like the esophagus thing. Oh my I god! I didn't yeah. expect the movie to suddenly become so graphic and gory and visceral. Like it uses it sparingly, but when the movie does become horrific, oh boy, yeah. he, he's still on, like yeah. on all cylinders. And those people are like still yeah. alive with air because when the UFO is flying, you hear, like, there's screams inside it. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I love the visual of, like, it's going up and you see all the people alive and, like, screaming and then it gets to the top. I think what you see is, like, a decomposed body, right? Like, a partially decomposed Mm -hmm. body that he hasn't fully digested yet, which was, like, really terrifying to me. (laughs) That was a great visual. Just going back to also the Gordy's home. We've already talked about it. One of my favorite visuals is the monkey, though. Yeah, like the monkey covered, Absolutely. like his his sleeves he's, covered in blood, and his dude, mouth just. He's horrific. I think it's so horrific. So it's that so scene, there's so no gore scary. at all. There's just a bunch of blood. Everything's off screen. Yeah, anything in your imagination is just a hundred times worse than like Absolutely. what they could mm-hmm. ever show mm-hmm. on screen. And the monkey's played by Terry Notary, by the way, who's this big uh, mm-hmm. motion capture guy. He's always playing monkeys and animals and he's really fucking good at it if you can't tell yeah i thought that was a fucking monkey dude i didn't realize that was so <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh. i mean it's a cgi monkey what's interesting is like, i've listened to an interview with jordan peele talking about this and like they actually made a set that's a third or two-thirds bigger everything's two-thirds bigger so that mm. he looks smaller right like he actually plays the monkey and he looks smaller mm-hmm. like he looks the size of a monkey versus all the furniture oh, so like the- that's like a really mm-hmm. cool camera like trick. lord of the rings type shit yeah, Whatever. really cool camera trick that he did more practically than digitally. Yeah, and what really fucked me up is that the end comes in and, like, you know, after his rampage, all he does is he comes under the table and, he, like, what he's been trained to do, like, for years, right? And fist bump Stephen Young's character, right? Uh, Ricky <laughs> under the table, and that's when he gets shot. That's yeah. such a, like, yeah. animalistic trait is just so well done. It's fucking horrifying. One more thing I want to talk about that... I feel like a lot of people are super confused about 
the shoe. What's up with the shoe? Okay, yes, let's go into this. I don't have an explanation for this one. Amir, do you have any theories about the shoe? I was reading something online. I don't remember where it was, sorry. But it was somebody like, it was the object that like Steve Mm -hmm. Nye's character was focusing on or whatever. Um, And so he wasn't looking the monkey in the eye because he was looking straight at that shoe that just happened to be sitting straight up. Yeah, it was like standing on his edge. It's like a serendipitous thing, just like the way that he lives kind of serendipitously or whatever. And he was kind of just looking at it to stay alive. I don't know. I don't really have anything about the shoe. I was reading this uh, interview with Hoyt Van Hoytema, who is the cinematographer. He was interviewed by Roxana Haddadi over at Vulture. And I love reading her interviews. And they're talking about the shoe. And from my perspective, it's like not everything needs to have an explanation. <laughs> you know, like especially things that are uncanny, that things are unexplainable. That's yeah. just how life is. And I think, Amir, what you said was like, Oh, that was a focal point for mm. Ricky to focus on while, you know, all this mayhem is going on around him. And I think that's a perfectly valid interpretation. Maybe he was looking at the shoe and it wasn't like that. But now that shoe has taken on such like a mythic quality in his trauma that in his memory, it's become on its end. Right. And like it's almost right. floating. And what Hoyt Van Hoytema said was like. Uh, seems a little tasteless to bring up, like, the Uvalde shootings or whatever. But he was talking about the Uvalde shootings with this. And, like, you see, like, the surveillance cameras. In the middle of a shooting, you have a cop going to get fucking hand sanitizer while kids are being shot, like, two feet away. You know, like, how do you explain something like that? You don't. Those, like, uncanny, unexplainable things are a part of the fabric of our everyday lives. And, like, Mm. sometimes you just can't explain them there's so many different interpretations you know like i think that's like the cherry on top of the scene where i thought it was really really great i guess you can also kind of read it as like this is a one in a million thing to happen right like you know a shoe yeah. potentially could yeah. stand like that but like nine hundred ninety nine thousand times you know it would fall down but like one time it would stay up and like maybe the same for this monkey right like most of the time he's fine but like it just takes one bad day to like trip this monkey up and then you know he goes on a murder spree yeah and what really tied it up for me that i really loved was like you know the idea of bad miracles that oj is talking Mm, about like what is a bad Mm -hmm. miracle like that's a fucking bad miracle right a shoe standing on its end while a fucking monkey's murdering people on a tv set a shoe standing up like that that's pretty cool miracle but then yeah the the monkey's (laughs) the bad miracle (laughs) yeah i love that like Amir, what were you saying about Ricky, like, shoving his trauma into a deep hole while he, you know, mines his horrific event for, like, windfalls, you know, merchandising, talk show appearances, cultural cachet. I thought that was a great thread, too. I thought it was hilarious how he was explaining, like, the SNL skit of the incident. It's like, oh, Chris Kattan played the monkey. It's so funny. And that seems like 100% what people would do in real life, you know, like, 10 years after some horrific event that... You're just making jokes about it now. Not even 10 years after. It was pretty quickly after. Like, the SNL thing was, like, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. 90s, like, right after it happened. Yeah. Which is why yeah, part of it was, like, like, early 2000s or something which, like that. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. I, I just was, well, like, well, oh, the incident yeah. was, like, 98 and, like, or something oh, like that. I thought and it was then, much earlier. It was, like, five or six five years six later, year later or something. Or something. Or something. Yeah. I thought it was, like, 92 or something, but all right. Yeah, and he's, like, they pretty much nailed it, which I thought was a fucking hilarious <laughs> line for him to say about his co-stars getting murdered. Yeah. Oh, everything about that worked for me. I love it. So good. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd really want to get you guys' opinion on the final transformation of the alien. I mean, I'm just going to call it a fucking alien. I, I guess I wasn't expecting that. 
And I think visually, it's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. At times, looks like something we're very familiar with, right? It looks like a saucer with a hole in it. That's what we expect an alien to look like. And then we kind of get this very almost anime-esque, flowery, organic being that it transforms into. I thought it was very, really beautiful. And this is one of the things I was just like, I don't need it explained. It's a fucking alien. It could do whatever the fuck it wants, right? And Mm -hmm. I I thought it was a really, really cool visual. Yeah. Jordan Peele loves evangelion so <laughs> does he maybe that explains yeah, yeah yeah he clearly loves anime we haven't been mentioned the other <laughs> anime uh yeah nod that he had. yeah akira slide yeah. in nope which i that fucking loved cool. uh wait what i guess on that bike when, when, when she, she slides she... a bike at oh, the end oh, right? oh, yeah when yeah, she slides yeah, a bike yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that was an Akira shout out. I just Oh, uh, that's definitely Akira. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Alright, alright, alright. Very cool. Very cool. Where does him loving Eva come from? You just read that somewhere or he's liked a bunch of tweets about Evangelion, like he's talked about it before. He likes it. it it's so. great. You guys should definitely watch it if you haven't seen it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the original um, series, but I haven't seen much oh, you of have? it afterward. In like the early two thousands. That's probably I about the, right time the original to watch series, it. yeah. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. Well, yeah, what were your thoughts on like the whole transformation and everything? I mean, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I kind of thought like you, it was beautiful. Um, I didn't understand it. Like, it seemed like it just happened. I was like looking at the screen, I was like, wait a minute, when the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Like, it mm-hmm. just was like all of a sudden it's like this different form. I thought it was really visually interesting, and uh, it's a movie, so like that kind of thing is important. But, right? Like, it's cool to just yeah. do stuff because it's fun and visually interesting and looks cool. And uh, I liked it for that reason. And to tie into what Jeff was saying about the shoe, it doesn't have to be explained, right? It's an alien. Yeah. Just doing some alien shit. I think that's totally fine. Uh, I mean, we kind of already mentioned him. Do you want to talk about Antlers a little bit and his death wish and his watching the reptiles on the screens and whatnot? Yeah, I love Michael Wincott's performance in this. He does like a little rendition of uh, Purple People Eaters, too, which is fucking yep, amazing. Yeah, that, his voice is just great. Yeah. First of all. Just yeah. Like that deep, gravelly voice. And then he's just clearly this just strange, weird character. You're watching him watch the reptiles. Yeah. You know, like, there's something weird going on there with, like, voyeurism. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole thread with animals in this that I really like, too. Um, I think that's just mm-hmm. another tie to that. Yeah, I like the character a lot. His dedication to getting the shot. Just such a great, like, take on making movies and dying for your art, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very literally. Okay, I do have a question. He doesn't take the actual film reel, though, right? He just takes the camera. No, I think the film reel's in there. Yeah, I think they lose everything. I think that's like the tragedy of the movie where they don't actually really get the shot, but they get it through the well camera in the, the well, yeah. right. amusement yeah. park. Which is a great Chekhov's gun. That yeah. They did set that up. Yeah, they set yeah, that up. I did not see that one coming. Me neither. Yeah. I didn't see it coming at all. It was really good. Yeah, yeah but really when you see that, really you're well like, oh, I don't think they're going to get onto Oprah with that, even though it's cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you have to think about it. It's the only image of it alive, though. Yeah. Like, no matter how shitty the actual image is, it's literally the only image of it alive. So, like, I think it's going everywhere. Angel has the camera, and that's destroyed or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Antlers takes his own crazy suicide shot, and obviously that doesn't yeah. go anywhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah. In the end, uh, in the end, the American dream is... Uh, not able to be fulfilled here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do really love that final sequence when she's timing it perfectly and like taking the shot with the well and like yeah. I love the oversized images it produces, yeah. Polaroid images. I think it's a really cool final sequence. I was actually like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, get that shot, you know, because like I'm like invested yeah. in them getting this shot. Yeah. And then that's kind of like a demented mirror, right? Like, because now mm-hmm. I'm 
wrapped up in this spectacle when I shouldn't be. Where the whole message is you should not be messing with spectacle in this way, right? Now you're invested in them getting the shot, which I think is so poignant to me. This movie just hits on so many levels for me. I fucking love it. <laughs> and I just want to talk about Kiki Palmer for a second. I think she's so yeah. good in this movie. Dude, I hadn't really ever seen her in anything me neither. before. Me neither. Like, I'd known her name, but I didn't really know. And she's incredible. They give her the perfect role as M, who's like this big personality entertainer. Mm-hmm. Charismatic, smooth talker, quick talker, kind of can convince you of anything. And she's perfect in it because um, she clearly has just like megawatt charisma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, she's amazing. And it plays so well against what Kalia is doing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Are, it's incredible. Yeah. They're like opposites, but they work just together as a team so well. Yeah. I honestly want to praise the whole cast. I think the whole cast is great. We already mentioned Ben Perry as Angel Torres. Like, I think he's great. Like, I've never seen this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is kind of a revelation for me because I've seen most of these other actors and so like he was the standout for me. But yeah, I thought the cast was just great. Yeah, and I think all the characters don't fit in neat little movie boxes. You know, I think they're all Mm -hmm. like weird, like they seem like real people to me, you know, which I think is like a huge testament to what they're doing with these characters and the performances. And I think the biggest cheer from the movie um, was kind of spoiled by the trailer, but like when... OJ and M do their handshake and they like slap their hands together like a million times. Yeah. They were so energetic. I thought that was hilarious. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was like really into that mm-hmm. moment. That's great. Um, such a great like sibling bond there. I think that was really great. I think the last thing I will say is that looking back, I think the marketing was genius. I think the way they the trailers cut to like make us expect one thing, like you said, Jeff, make us expect one thing, but totally give us something else i remember you know it has the shot with the fist bumping right and like people were like that's a fucking alien hand no it's just a chimp hand so derek what you were saying about you know like the trailer and stuff i fell for that hook line and sinker right like mm-hmm. i thought the chimp hand in that one fist bump shot was an alien hand and i thought mm-hmm. you know the the lady the, lady, right? the fucked yeah. up mm-hmm. lady with the face, I was like, oh, that's like an alien monster or something, or something to do with aliens. Mm. I was like, that's like what she's it just is. Hiding yeah, she's like hiding or something. Or, yeah. But yeah. like watching the movie, it's so obvious that, you know, like it's a chimp attack, right? Because that lady's modeled right after Charla Nash, who is the real life model for the character who got mangled by Travis the Chimp. If you guys know that story. Mm, yeah, and like, yeah. I didn't really oh, show you. She even went it. into like the interviews with the veil and everything. So it's like spot on. And like it totally went over my head. So like that trailer is genius, actually. Oh, yeah, what yeah. they did with that. I was like, it's so obvious now that I'm watching the movie. But like it totally went over my head while I was watching the movie's marketing, you know? I do hate the second trailer for giving away the like major premise. With the UFO. It, it gives oh, away, yeah, because like, it shows the UFO. Like, oh, trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it says they want to capture this thing oh, on camera, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, does it? I was like, Ugh. Maybe I missed that then because I did not go into the movie with that expectation. And maybe I would have come out of it no, a little yeah. differently. No, like, yeah. The second trailer gives it away and I, I really hate it for that. But I do love that it did not give away most of it. Jeff saying the chimp hand and the lady. I was convinced also that those were aliens. Yeah. And like, this was like a story about aliens invading or something. And they've been among us the whole time. And no, it's not that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was really And the good. movie itself has a rug pull with the 
quote-unquote alien encounter in the stables. Dude, that scared the shit out of me, by the way. I thought yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, that was so funny. Uh, yeah, but they were just so kids. Funny. It was so funny. And I do love how he's like, nope. Was that the first or second yeah. time he said no? I think that might have been the first one. Yeah, it might have been his first, but that was really good. That was really good. I mean, we could probably keep talking about this movie, but honestly, I think, yeah, there's great marketing. I mean, I would still recommend this movie. I still really did like this movie. I just, like I said at the beginning, I don't like it as much as the other two. I might have to watch it again. Your enthusiasm, Jeff, is like really Rubbing off on you. kind of <laughs> contagious. I might want to go back and watch it again, see if I like it a little bit more. But just my first initial kind of impressions, I don't like it much as, as Get Out and Us. But I do still really like this movie. And I think it's worth going to the cinema and watching it because we haven't even talked about it. Like the chase scene, the shots of the alien ship are just fucking cool. Yeah. And he's getting chased by the alien on the horse. Like, man. Yeah. And it's like raining the blood on the house. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's there great. really is some awesome horror imagery in this movie. The rain of blood and the stuff falling out of the, out of its, I don't know, orifices or yeah. whatever to like destroy mm-hmm. the car, the fake horse head coming into the windshield. There's so much creepy shit. Well, let me just say, like, I love the night shots in this. I think it just looks incredible. It's so clear what's going on in the night shots. I don't think I've seen that kind of clarity in uh, nighttime photography before. I think Hoyt Van Hoytema just does such a great job. It's so good. Don't think we just saw that earlier this year in The Northman? I don't know. I thought The Northman was a little dark. I mean, I I thought it looked good. But, like, this, I think, blows it out of the water. Mm. Just that blue mm. is so blue. It's yeah. so blue. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Very Michael Mann with the blues and the people watching other people on screens and shit. I mean, I don't think there's anything else that definitely can conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at Strange Harbors, where I reviewed Nope. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me trying to learn to tame chimps. What about you, Derek? <laughs> find me at the world's okayest photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast... The easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on Nope, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. Just don't be like Logan Paul. Did you guys read Logan Paul's thread on the movie? Oh, God. Let's, we're not going <laughs> yeah, to get into this. Yeah. yeah. We're not getting into this. Next episode's going to be a point-by-point point breakdown of the Logan Paul <laughs> He listed, like, every single point of the movie and, like, just how he didn't understand it. I thought it was fucking hilarious. It's just so ironic. I don't want to Smoothest give it. brain We're not going to give him the space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give his name any kind of space. No, yeah. So we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.